0: every day sports happens it never stops and neither do we get the expert perspectives you need strategies and vital information you won't get anywhere else you're listening to the home of the winning edge this is sports grid radio on sirius xm our number two of the morning after right here on sports grid sirius xm channel 204 I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Joe Ranieri with us for the first hour, but in these final two hours beginning here in hour number two, where we will have three guests apiece in each of these final two hours. Joining us in hour number two, it'll be Cam Rogers up next after the break to talk a little bit of the Bermuda Championship and the PGA Tour, maybe even some NFL week number eight picks with cam rogers then brian fonseca makes his debut here on tma in the middle part of the hour and finally pam maldonado to talk some college football entering the best weekend of the year week number nine in the CFE slate as well right now to begin things in this top of the second hour i'm your host ben stevens and we will run through some nba recaps across the association the second week of the nba season getting underway last night and here in New York City, not far from our Midtown Manhattan studios, the New York Knicks looking pretty good. Yet again, the Knicks improved to 3 and 1 this year, 3 and 1 ATS with a big 112-99 win over the Philadelphia 76ers last night in the Mecca, in the Garden at MSG. So so far this season, the Knicks and at Madison Square Garden. They cover as a a two-and-a-half point favorite against the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Still no Ben Simmons for Philly, of course, but on the other side for the Knicks, Julius Randle continues his tear. The reigning sixth man of the year in the association a season ago. 16 points, 11 rebounds for a double-double. Also added in, seven assists as well. Kemba Walker led the way for the New York Knicks. 19 points for Kemba last night in the Garden. So the Knicks... A 3-1 record ATS this year. They have been a favorite in every game, covering in three of those four games. And let's not forget how prolific the Knicks were from a profitable perspective last year in 2020-2021. They had the best cover percentage in the association, covering 61% of their games a season ago. Also for the Knicks, which is a little bit different than a season ago, three of their four games so far have hit to the over by an average margin of 13.2 points per game that is the third highest over margin in all of the NBA the next game up for the New York Knicks it's starting to feel like the mid-90s a little bit right the Knicks travel to the United Center tomorrow night in Chicago to take on the last remaining unbeaten team in the Eastern Conference the Bulls who are a perfect 4-0 so far this year so the 3-1 New York Knicks the 4-0 Chicago Bulls the best start for Chicago since that 96-97 last dance season. Feeling a little bit like the 90s. We'll see what happens still very early on in this NBA season. But the Knicks 3-1, the Bulls 4-0. Should be a great matchup tomorrow night from Chicago between the Bulls and the Knicks. Also on the West Coast last night, a great matchup between two contenders in the Western Conference in the Utah Jazz remain a perfect unbeaten so far this season knocking off the Denver Nuggets 122-110 last night in Salt Lake City so the Jazz off to a perfect 3-0 start all five scorers starters excuse me for the Denver Nuggets scoring in double figures last night but on the other side it was Rudy Gobert leading the way for the Utah Jazz 23 points 16 rebounds for Utah and then also off the bench as the Jazz play deep into that rotation for Quinn Snyder Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Clarkson, 19 points, Joe Ingles, 13 points. They were the two favorites to win the sixth man of the year award in the NBA entering the year on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They were the two finalists last year as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after just getting underway. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Great guests on the horizon in this second hour of the morning after. But right now, looking at the association, second week of the NBA season, our second hour here on TMA. So the Utah Jazz, a perfect 3-0 straight up this year a perfect 3-0 against the spread. Utah, just one of three teams so far this year that is a perfect unbeaten mark against the number so far this season. Those unbeaten teams against the spread, just three of them are reigning in the NBA. Chicago, a perfect 4-0, 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread. Utah, a perfect 3-0 straight up, 3-0 and against the spread. The Memphis Grizzlies, a perfect 3-0 against the number as well. The Grizzlies getting two and a half on the road against the portland trailblazers tonight out on the west coast as well we have seen some movement slight movement in the western conference marketplace for the utah jazz they entered the year the fourth shortest odds to claim the western conference crown at plus 650 right now they have the second shortest odds only behind the la lakers at plus 480 to win the western conference on the fanduel sportsbook there hasn't been a ton of movement in either marketplace either east or west but the Jazz have had that much movement in the top of the Western Conference right now. Again, from plus 650 to begin the year to plus 480 right now in the Western Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I mentioned those two teams, by the way, in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks and the Bulls, who play each other tomorrow night in Chicago. Chicago 20 to 1 to win the East. The Knicks 36 to 1 to win the East. The Knicks were 46 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference entering this 2021-22 NBA season. Let's not forget. The New York Knicks, the number four seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs just a year ago. Great NBA action to get to tonight as well. A big game in Brooklyn, the Heat and the Nets. A great game out on the West Coast, like I mentioned, between the Portland Trailblazers, who are struggling so far against a Memphis Grizzlies team, off to a very strong start. We'll talk to Brian Fonseca from FanDuel later in this hour to talk about some NBA action. Up next, though, it's Cam Rogers, some PGA Tour plays for the Bermuda Championship. Also, maybe some NFL action Cam has his eye on. That's next here on The Grid. Stay with us on The Morning app. The second hour of the morning after right here on Sportsgrid and Sirius XM Channel 204 rolls on. I'm your host Ben Stevens. you are watching all across the Sports Grid Network, and we bring on one of our favorite guests right now to the show, to TMA on a Wednesday. It is Cam Rogers joining us once again, as he does on a weekly basis, not only to talk some PGA Tour in the Bermuda Championship this weekend out in the Caribbean, but also Cam. Some NFL leans we have for week number eight of the NFL season. I'm looking at the rundown right now. Not only am I seeing finishing positions from Cam Rogers, which he does on a top 20 basis for the PGA Tour, I'm looking at a robust NFL card. So Cam Rogers, a pleasure to have you here on this Wednesday edition of The Morning After.
2: Mr. Stevens, great to be with you as always. Yes, I mean, I played intramural flag football B League at the University of Maryland. Yeah. So I do have some credibility in terms of football. So excited for it.
0: I mean, that's all we really need, right? Just some intramural football. I was a backup high school quarterback. We can break down the NFL with the best of them. Cam Rodgers, by the way, the host of the Lock It In podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, APGA Tour wizard and savant. So it's a weird championship format out in the Bermuda Championship this weekend, Cam. I've been reading reports that the field is not entirely full. There was some issue in terms of traveling there. There's some storms in the area that have canceled the Pro-Am today. So what do you make of the Bermuda Championship for this upcoming weekend?
2: Yeah, I hate to be on your very airwaves, Ben, and say that maybe you should dial it back with your betting and golf this week, but... I'm going to say it because it's just one of those wonky tournaments where let's face it, the field is absolutely horrible and horrible in a relative sense. Obviously there's plenty of talent, but the issue is you have a lot of corn fairy tour graduates playing this week. And the problem is that you just don't have a large sample size of these guys playing on the PGA tour. So it's really hard to hedge your bets on those types of players because In theory, you would like a larger sample size of their performances on the big tour, right? So if you wanna dial it back this week, I certainly wouldn't talk you out of it. It's going to be a wild tournament. You talked about it with the wind. My co-host Bridget Whalen on the show for Golf Bets On Us, part of the Lock It In podcast series told me that Yeah, it can get pretty crazy down there in Bermuda. She actually vacationed there pretty recently. And so we're talking about consistent wins of 20 to 25 miles an hour. There could be a whole lot of volatility. And I'll give you an example. Brendan Todd won here five years after his previous win. Brian Gay, the defending champion, was coming into this event, Ben, with five straight missed cuts. I mean, it's just one of those events. I do have some plays that I'm confident in. But in terms of, like, the outright market or anything, Like that, I would stay away.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of names that are probably household names from a PGA Tour perspective on that Futures Outright board right now. You look at the favorite, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 10 to 1, Christian Bezidenhote at 14 to 1. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I think I was pretty close. Patrick Reed, maybe the most well known name in the field, at 18 to 1. So, Cam, that's how the future board looks. But if you don't really have a strong feel there and it's hard to pick a winner in such a volatile event, Let's look at some of your prop plays and looking at those top 20 finishing positions for the Bermuda Championship. Who are you targeting in that market on the FanDuel Sportsbook?
2: Yeah, I've been on a good run here with the top 20s. This is really where you can make your money. The top 10s and the top 5s obviously have a good payout, but it's harder to nail down, especially at a tournament like this. So let's talk about Denny McCarthy at plus 175, one of the elite putters on the PGA Tour, fourth best Bermuda putter. In this field, I think that's going to work out very well for him. Elite course history here, two top 20s in his two appearances here. Remember, we've only played at Port Royal Golf Club twice on the PGA Tour. And by the way, just to quickly say, this golf course is tight. This golf course is thin. You need to be accurate off the tee. The rough isn't as penile, I would say, but still, we're talking about a lot of tree line situations here. This is your classic plotters type of tournament when people like Brian gay and Brendan Todd are winning. That's when you know bombers don't necessarily have an advantage. So I just want to point that out. I mean going off of that theme, there give me Ryan armor at plus 200 Mm. for a top 20 as well second in the field and fairways gained two top 20s in this event as well. So I like that play Russell Knox top 20 plus 165. I actually do like a sprinkle in the outright market if you want to with Russell Knox. He's an interesting play, solid course history, having placed 16th and 11th here, ranked 7th in strokes, gained to ball striking and 4th in fairways gained over the last 24 rounds. And actually, you want to talk about the win this week, Ben. Dating back to 2017, Knox is the number one player in this field in strokes gained in windy conditions. So, Russell Knox for a top 20. I like that play as well. And then Vaughn Taylor, he rates out top mm. 30 in hitting fairways, iron game, and putting on Bermuda greens that's a balanced game that you want a winner at Pebble Beach which is a very similar golf course to this one so Vaughn Taylor there for a top 20 I like that play
0: okay I like that very much Ken I like that you have gone through the Bermuda championship you have told us where the top 20 finishing positions value lie and I also think you bring up a great point about hey if this is not the most stellar week on the PGA Tour that's okay sometimes the best bet is no bet at all maybe it's a time to reset and look over to the national football league week number eight starts tomorrow night with what seemed to be a wonderful primetime matchup between two really good teams in the nfc the six and one green bay packers and the last remaining unbeaten team in the nfl the arizona cardinals a perfect 7 and 0. Of course, we know some of the COVID concerns happening right now for Green Bay. Devontae Adams paste, placed on the COVID 19 list earlier this week. Alan Lazard, a fellow wide receiver, added to that list yesterday. You also throw on defensive coordinator Joe Barry for the Green Bay Packers. That is why when the line opened up in Arizona's favor at 3.5, it has ballooned all the way up now, Cam, to the Cardinals laying 6.5 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Are you looking to go in contradiction? To that market move and maybe take Aaron Rodgers in the points on a Thursday night.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I just want to note I was reading off the wrong odds there for the top twenties. My apologies on that one. The FanDuel odds That's are actually right. better than what I read off. So just want to put that out there. But the picks stay the same. Let's talk about the NFL. You're talking about an Aaron Rodgers-led team getting six and a half points against the Arizona Cardinals. And here's my logic here, Ben. I mean, look. Yes, no Devonte Adams. Yes, no Lazard. But still, the Arizona Cardinals can't win every single game. They're not going to win every single game this year. And so for Green Bay, you're asking to not even win this football game? I mean, keep it within that six-point margin? I like that play a lot. I see a lot of Aaron Jones, and I see this offensive line really getting it to the Arizona defensive front there. The defensive front is one of their weaknesses. So I do like Green Bay in this game to cover. And if you want to sprinkle on a little money line, have at it.
0: Yeah, I don't mind it at all. You're going to get an angry Aaron Rodgers in some sort of a way where you think he doesn't know the betting line for this? All right, you don't think I can go out there with a couple of guys and still win this football game? I like Great. Aaron Rodgers and the points there as well. Cam, two money line plays you have with some plus money on the money line. What are those teams and what are the plays for this the upcoming weekend of the NFL?
2: yeah i like the pittsburgh steelers in this football game against the cleveland browns ben i mean let's monitor the practice reports this week but i think it's safe to say that baker mayfield is not going to be a hundred percent and then the questions are about odell beckham jr and jack conklin what are their statuses for this football game and look the pittsburgh steelers have their flaws but they're coming off a bye week they're well coached i mean mike tomlin With his press conference about the USC rumors, you know he's going to be motivated in this football game against the Cleveland Browns. You know that Steelers defense is going to take it to the Cleveland Browns and whoever is playing at the quarterback position. So I do like the money line there. And then the Detroit Lions, I mean, look, kind of the same logic with the Arizona Cardinals. They can't win every game. The Lions aren't going to lose every game, I don't think. And so I could see them performing well uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, playing hard for Dan Campbell, throwing out all the stops
0: three and a half is what the lions are getting at home they are zero seven straight up but four and three against the spread maybe it's the first win of the year cam rogers as always pga tour plays and some nfl leans thank you for doing it all in the morning after thank you ben take care guys coming up next on the other side of the break some nba focus with brian fonseca that's coming up next Right back here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM channel 204. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Now making his The Morning After debut, it is Brian Fonseca from FanDuel. An on-air host, personality, everything you need across the board. His focus right now, the NBA. He also will have some UFC liens for you later on this week. But our focus the association, and the early going in this season. Brian, before we dive in to all that great NBA talk on the hardwood, welcome to TMA. Glad to have you here on the show.
3: Happy to be here, Ben. Appreciate you for having me.
0: So, Brian, one of the games last night that I found rather enticing, even without LeBron James, the Lakers go on the road in their first away victory of the year, their first road matchup of the year, and knock off the San Antonio Spurs in overtime, winning 125 121 in san antonio no lebron but a big night for anthony davis and a big night for one of the newest additions to this lakers team russell westbrook what have you made of the lakers so far this season in the very early going
3: yeah so it's been tough for russell westbrook in terms of If you have him in fantasy and trying to see if he's going to emerge and he hasn't quite had that game yet. Last time out, he had 15 and 13. But this time with LeBron, you figure that he was going to have the usage rate, which did add up. He had a 33, 10 and 8 game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, that is. And he's somebody who exploded for the first time, which we've kind of been waiting on statistically. And we kind of expected this. There were going to be games uh, evidently that. LeBron will miss and Anthony Davis will miss. And we know that Russell Westbrook is going to bring it on those nights. And that's why you got him to sort of, you know, keep you afloat in the regular season, get a high playoff seat, and then you figure it out from there. I still do think, however, that even though he had his 33-10-8, and eight, even though Anthony Davis had 35-17-8, and eight, I do think that at some point, if it doesn't work out in the starting lineup, Russell Westbrook as six men is something that the Lakers should consider and that's not a diss because you would still want him to finish games because he's still Russell Westbrook at the end of the day and he would be your super sub to play 30-32 minutes per game or so but at the same time if you're going to get this out of him it's just difficult to do with LeBron out there kind of like and we'll get to the heat and Nets later and I don't want to step on this too much but why I think Tyler Hero is sort of emerging as somebody coming off the bench as opposed to if he was in the starting lineup you would have to worry about Kyle Lowry Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler as sometimes it's just easier for guys to come off the bench
0: yeah i think frank vogel still trying to figure out those rotations you saw coach lebron james last night on the (laughs) sideline in that overtime win over the san antonio spurs the first road game the first road win for the lakers who have won two straight now although la just one and three against the spread so we are also looking across the league right and trying to figure out early storylines we can monitor and hopefully hopefully profit off in the nba whether it be the futures market or on a daily basis for daily fantasy prop market whatever it might be and an early combination so far that has been intriguing to follow brian luka Doncic and christoph porzingis under new head coach jason kidd for the mavs in fact luka was the preseason favorite on fanduel to win the nba mvp now he has moved down the market a little bit the fourth shortest odds to do so it is Giannis and steph tied as the co-favorites at plus 600 to win the NBA MVP when you look at this market where do you think the value is for MVP
3: well, look, I mean, even though Giannis is the favorite here tied with Steph Curry, plus 600 is still very good odds, right? The thing with me is that MVP is just very challenging in general because, I mean, almost the whole award is a stay away at this point because it's like, who are you going to pick out of this pool? Joel Embiid is somebody who you would think without Ben Simmons, maybe he takes a leap, and then last night they lose to the Knicks and he only has 14 and 6. Luka Doncic, like, he did his thing last night. It just has not been pretty in Dallas, and Chris Sassport's has really struggled, and I still think that he is a prime trade candidate at some point down the line, which could actually help Luka Doncic and sort of solidify his MVP candidacy. We'll see what happens there. LeBron James, is he going to play enough games? Kevin Durant, is he going to play enough games? Uh, Even though he's off to a fantastic start so far. Uh, Nikola Jokic to repeat, not the sexy pick, but if he can really you know, go crazy without Jamal Murray and you could see him putting up some of those 30, 10, and 10 stat lines that he was doing last year, he's somebody who mm-hmm. might not be bad in this category either. And I do think that Look, this is going to sound crazy, but if Charlotte starts winning a good amount of games, people are going to start putting money on LaMelo Ball. I would not because a second year guy winning MVP would be sort of unprecedented. But to name somebody who's off the grid here, LaMelo Ball has been averaging 23, five and I think five uh, so far this year. And he was uh, or five and seven, rather five and a half rebounds and seven assists. 16-6-6 last year. He's shooting 50% from three so far, almost 50% from the field. Like He's somebody who's going to start getting a lot of love if the Charlotte Hornets win enough games and are exciting. And I guess I suppose Jimmy Butler will be a dark horse candidate here since we're expecting the Miami Heat to be really good. So right now, I would just probably just take the safe, boring pick and lean with the guys toward the top of the leaderboard there at Giannis or Curry or uh, Kevin Durant.
0: Lamelo well, Ball right now in the MVP market. You got to scroll a little ways, but he is a hundred to one to win the NBA MVP. Charlotte this year, three and one straight up. Three and one against the spread. They are going to be a very exciting team, not only because Eric Collins, their play-by-play announcer, makes even an inbounds pass sound like a buzzer beater game winner in game seven of an NBA finals. I think you could look at Nikola Jokic as well. Tied for the seventh shortest odds on the board, 18-1. But Brian, outside of maybe some MVP candidates, you play Daily Fantasy. We can correlate that to the prop market on a nightly basis in the NBA. Who are a couple of players you have been targeting so far this year that you think have tremendous upside?
3: Well, and sticking with Heat versus Nets... uh i'm watching what patty mills is doing sort of as their third scorer and coming off the bench and playing a big role now typically i tend to stay away from guys who are mostly just scoring guards who don't get a ton of assists i'm actually presently having this issue with tyrese maxey right now but patty mills has been a nice (laughs) surprise who's averaging about 15 points a game a couple of assists or so. And I think that he's somebody who can sustain this role. Like that's sort of what I'm looking at here, because if you go up and down the net stats and they struggled a little bit so far this year, Lamarcus Aldridge has given you uh, like 11 points a game or so, but nobody else outside of, uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Patty Mills are above that right now. Even Blake Griffin's not really scoring. Nick Claxton, you're not getting a ton from him offensively. Joe Harris is hovering around 10 points a game. So fantasy-wise, like Patty Mills, other than obviously Durant or Harden, and even Harden struggles so far to this point, though he's still giving you 17, 8, and 7. That's 17, as we know. That's low for Harden in terms of scoring. You're looking for that to get to that 25 range. So look, if he dips a little bit, you could sort of get him in your uh, lineup as well. But Patty Mills is somebody I'm looking at for an net side and then for the heat it's all about tyler hero right now he's coming off the bench he's averaging 23 7 and 5 i don't expect that to be this high but he was my sixth man of the year pick ahead of the season who i expect to average about 18 6 and 4 something along those lines he even showed you as a rookie that you know we look at the scoring and the big shots and things of that nature he was a very good rebounding guard and that's something that stood out to me very early on that's an effort stat And that is something that's very much going to help you in your lineups. And then obviously Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, uh, 18, 4, and 2 so far. Those assists only at 2. I think even with Kyle Lowry there, yes, that may cut into it. We're used to Bam getting about 5 assists per game or so. I think that the 2 is going to go up to at least 4. You want to get that in that 4 range. So expect those assists to help you out. The 14 rebounds per game may not stay, but I do think he'll get back to getting 10, 11 or so rebounds per game. And then with Jimmy Butler, he's... He's averaging 25, 5, and 3 right now, and he's going to probably lead the NBA in steals again, which is great Uh, fantasy-wise. The 25 points might not be sustainable, but you do expect that he'll lead the team in scoring. It's going to be either him or Bam at the end of the day, unless Tyler Hero keeps up this insane pace. So uh, definitely got a bunch of guys to look out for in this game.
0: So Tyler Hero right now, the favorite to win the NBA Sixth Man of the Year on FanDuel with the shortest odds at plus 390. We have, do- we have dove into this game a little bit here between the Heat and the Brooklyn Nets. The Heat getting three and a half on the road inside Barclays Center tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. The over-under total seems a little bit small at only 218 in the hook for the Heat and the Nets tonight. Brian, as you break down this matchup even a little bit deeper, who do you think has the edge in Brooklyn?
3: I mean, I like the way Miami's look so far outside of the second half and overtime against the Indiana Pacers. And for whatever reason, they just always seem to, you know, get the short end of the stick over there in Indiana. Um, I do think that they're going to come out and play this game hard against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I would probably lean to them uh winning even because the Brooklyn Nets haven't been great so far at home they've had their struggles and as mm. we mentioned I'm I'm actually not that surprised at the over unders that low points wise because the Brooklyn Nets again outside of Kevin Durant it seems like everybody is struggling to get their shot off and Patty Mills who we mentioned earlier Miami's had a better time uh Kyle Lowry's back and he's healthy he's only averaging seven points a game which is totally fine because he's there to play quarterback they're calling him qb1 down in Miami like Kyle Lowry is somebody who's going to average seven, eight assists per game. He might only get you 12 points here and there, but he's still capable of those big scoring nights and who really from the Nets backcourt is going to lock him down. So this could be one of those big Kyle Lowry performances that we've been expecting, maybe at 18 and seven or something along those lines. And you know they want to be Brooklyn because they want to establish, establish themselves, sorry, as one of those teams in the Eastern Conference who can come out and win a championship. So... I am going to roll with the Miami Heat here in a minor upset at Barclays Center.
0: Maybe a little sprinkle on that money line for the Miami Heat. Plus 136 on the money line tonight at Barclays against the Brooklyn Nets. And like Brian mentioned, the Nets, the favorites to win the East at plus 120. The Miami Heat, the fourth shortest odds at plus 950. Brian Fonseca from FanDuel breaking down everything you need to know in this early season action in the NBA. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time here on The Morning After
3: absolutely thank you guys for having me appreciate it
0: some early season storylines in the association to the latter half of the conference slate in college football the best weekend of the year in CFB is on the horizon week number nine Pam Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook joins us next to give you hurlings for week number nine of the college football slate stay with us here on the grid SiriusXM XM channel 204 Welcome back to the morning after on a Wednesday morning right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM channel 204. I'm Ben Stevens. We are looking forward now to week number nine of the college football campaign. As I have dubbed it, The best weekend of the entire regular season. Impactful conference matchups across the entire slate. So who better to join us to break it all down than Pam Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook to look ahead to week number nine of this college football season. Pam, last week we talked about how the slate wasn't all that great. But this week, Mm -hmm. hopefully the edges are plentiful. How excited are you for week number nine of the college football season?
4: I'm not sure I'm as, as excited as you are. The best weekend of college <laughs> yeah. football. I'm not going to go that far. A couple weeks ago when cool. Alabama was upset by AM, that was one of the best weekends yeah. of college football by far. Not just of the season, but in recent years that I can remember. But yes, this week is going to be interesting. A lot of, like you mentioned, impactful games. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, that was a really great weekend. Do not get me wrong. The chaos in college football all year long has been outstanding. When I look at the board, and maybe it's my Big Ten bias, when you see Michigan, (laughs) Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, with an over-under total Pam Maldonado of 36 (laughs) and a half, I get very, very fired up. But let's also look at a great divisional game in the SEC East in the Southeastern Conference. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party between georgia the number one team in the country and florida the bulldogs laying 14 and a half against the gators for this game in jacksonville the over under total is 50 and a half pam mm. georgia has been dominant we know how great the bulldogs have been all year long a big spread over two touchdowns how does florida attempt to try and cover this number
4: Perhaps with Anthony Richardson, nobody is really still talking about him. I believe that Richardson is the only player in all of college football that has an opportunity here to like bring in some hype. He, I'm so anxious to see what he brings. He offers a level of excitement that we haven't seen from really anybody, um, aside from Bijan Robinson, the Horns, but he is a backup <laughs> quarterback. He has over 10 and a half yards per pass. He has, he is a deep ball threat. He has nearly 400 rushing yards on the ground and he's a backup quarterback, three ground scores. He could definitely bring a spark to this game. I like the over 50 and a half. You're telling me that I love it because I was thinking 51 and a half. So the number has dropped, which is to my benefit. Call it a contrarian pick, but the Gators defense, they are susceptible. They're vulnerable. They give up 31 points to Alabama, 450 yards of offense too, and 49 points to LSU seven yards per carry and Georgia finally showed that this defense it is penetrable teams are getting downfield that has been a constant not converting but now you have an opportunity who is Florida top 10 in touchdown scored we see some points in this game I like the over 50 and a half especially now that it's ticking down
0: yeah, Pam. I'm a little bit scared. All year long, I've been backing the Georgia opponent team total under, and early on, it was incredibly profitable. It did have a backdoor cover against Kentucky the last time Georgia was in action two Saturdays ago. If you look at the line and the spread right now, 14 and a half is the spread. The over/under total 50 and a half. You can estimate the Florida team total around 17 and a half, 18 points. Am I going to be bold enough to take? the under of that team total for a Florida Gators team who is the third best rushing offense in the country, the best rushing offense, not a service academy in a team that's averaging over 30 points per game. I don't know. We'll see. Georgia's defense (laughs) has been that good, but I look forward to this game in Jacksonville on Saturday. So we also can look at this from a perspective of Georgia being a 14 and a half point favorite speaks to how dominant the dogs have been all year Mm -hmm. long. They are the favorites to win the national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook, a very short price that has hovered between plus 110 and plus 115. You have Alabama, the second shortest odds at plus 250. Then you have Ohio State, their odds getting shorter on a weekly basis at plus 450. So as you look at the national championship board, do you think there should be first and foremost that much of a distinction between Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and then the rest of the field?
4: If there's any team that I got wrong Preseason, it was definitely that Georgia would not be winning the national championship. I was gun set on that. <laughs> so, I, right at this point in time, I do believe there is such a large discrepancy. It is warranted. Georgia defense is so good. It is really, really good. I also think, though, that teams are making bonehead moves when they get into the red zone. I don't think it's Georgia's mm-hmm. defense that is as stout. I think teams are overcomplicating the situation. They're going away from what works for them as a team. If you're a passing team, they're starting to run if you're a run team you're starting to pass just keep it simple St- stick to what it is that you know I think we can definitely see Florida this week be a little bit more of a test I would the rest of the season we won't know uh, really how really great Georgia is because there's just yeah. their uh, their schedule is really soft so once we get into playoffs then that's the true decider against Alabama I'd love to see it um I don't know. I I would not pay 110 for Georgia. I think Ohio State plus 500 offers some value. Uh, CJ Stroud, he's looking really good. Granted, it is against a soft schedule, but they're finding their stride in the nick of time.
0: There's also a market right now on FanDuel for Georgia to go unbeaten, including a win in the national championship game. The no has the juice at minus 380. If you think the Bulldogs Mm -hmm. can do that, to cap off an unbeaten season through the regular season into the CFP and then winning the Natty, that's plus 250 to the yes for that to happen for UGA this year. Pam, I wanna ask you about the team with the fourth shortest odds right now to win the national championship, that being the Oklahoma Sooners at 20 to one. So we mentioned it, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. All with three digits next to their plus money price. There's a pretty far drop off then to the team with the fourth shortest odds in OU at 20 to 1. I'll just say this I'm not a Texas alum like yourself, Pam, but I do not believe in Oklahoma. I think the Sooners are frauds. What do you make of OU and their outlook for maybe winning the Big 12 and national championship?
4: Oklahoma is overrated, overrated, overrated. I have been saying it since preseason. I said it after week one. I've been saying it every week since. I had a little bit of excitement, I'll be honest, with Caleb Williams. But I'm sorry. If you are barely squeaking a bye over 1-6 Kansas who hasn't had a winning season in I don't know how long, please do not make it into the playoffs. And if you do, you're going to get destroyed just like you do every year. Hey, you know what? It's 947 and OU still sucks.
0: I love it. We do that for Syracuse versus Georgetown, by the way, from a basketball perspective. 10.47 p.m. East or a.m. East Coast right now, and Georgetown still sucks as well, Pam. I absolutely love (laughs) it, and I agree. Oklahoma right now, 3-5 and against the number. They were 38-and-a-half point favorites in Lawrence on Saturday against Kansas, and that vaunted Oklahoma offense got shut out in the first half by the Jayhawks. I don't believe it. I think they will lose a game at some point. How yes. gained Pam? It makes no sense. There's still the odds on favorites to win the big 12 <laughs> and maybe rightfully so. And listen, Oklahoma is still perfect unbeaten straight up this year, but I just don't see it. I think they'll lose a game at some point and hopefully that takes them out of consideration for the college the most football fraudulent 8-0
4: team it. in all of college football. <laughs>
0: Completely agree. Look at the ATS number. That proves more than I think the straight-up number does as well. So you are a Texas alum. A big game for Texas this weekend in Waco against Baylor. Texas, if I'm not mistaken, getting the points right now is the underdog. Just want to check the updated line. Yes, they are getting the points. The underdog by two and a half points against Baylor. The over-under total, 61 and a half. So, Pam, how do you break down this matchup between the Baylor Bears and the Texas Longhorns?
4: I do like Texas to cover in this game and come out with the outright win. I also like the over for the Longhorns. Um, this could be similar to Oklahoma State, the Baylor game, except the Cowboys, they won that game 24-14 to with three thrown interceptions. And Baylor was held to 14 points and 100 rushing yards. But the big difference is that Oklahoma State has a defense. You know what Texas doesn't have? A defense, especially when it comes against the run. They're bottom 30 in rushing yards allowed, ranked outside at the top 60 for touchdowns allowed. Huge difference right there. That is the key between Oklahoma State and Baylor game versus Texas and Baylor. And the Bears, they're going to score. Can Texas? Absolutely. Oklahoma State's running back, Jalen Warren, he rushed for 125 yards and two scores in that game. Well, Texas has running back in Bijan Robinson. He is a Heisman contender. He has six games of 100 plus rushing yards or more, top 10 in the nation for rushing scores and tied third overall for touchdown scores because Texas utilizes him as a passing back as well. You have no defense from Texas, a big defensive test for Baylor. I like the over on 60. I do lean to the horns, but I could be a little biased there. They do give up leads, but now they're in the underdog role. I like Texas. I like the over
0: so, Pam, as you look at the board throughout a weekly basis throughout college football, what is your process like for narrowing down where you might think you have some opportunities and some edges between games that you actually end up laying a wager on?
4: I first and foremost go straight to the analytics. There are certain things that I look for. And once I find those, whether it be 15 games, 10 games, then that's when I go ahead and a deep dive. If I like totals, I wait later in the week if I'm liking unders because typically the market likes to bet overs. If I like an over, then I typically buy early because that potentially could get bought up. Um, So I narrow it down and then little by little, week, day by day, I chip at it. And I don't come up with my final card until Saturday morning until kickoff morning. And I know that people are, uh, some people can say that's a bad thing because you're getting the worst of the line, but it actually helps me. I don't feel, I feel less stressed. I don't want to make a decision on a Wednesday. I want to take my time. I want to process injuries could happen. Last minute uh, COVID news could happen. So I'm in no rush to make final decisions. I start my study on a Monday and I'm finalize it on Saturday morning.
0: When you start on a Monday, you mentioned the analytics is your backing for it all. What are a couple of the key figures and numbers that you look for that you're like, oh, that's an enticing game to me? First
4: and foremost, I always look at quarterback pressure versus quarterback protection. Last year, it came in huge handy when I was taking uh, teams like UNC to cover against Notre Dame. You had one of the best pass rush in the country versus a susceptible Notre Dame offensive line, which is the same this year. I always start there first, and then I take it further of strength versus weakness. If you're a run team, how does the run defense match up of your opponent and vice versa when it comes to the passing game? So start with quarterback pressure, offensive line protection, and then strength versus weakness for a strength of uh, your offense versus the defense.
0: That is some very, very strong handicapping right there. A great way to get started as you look throughout the week for college football. And I agree, Pam. I think at times when you look at the NFL, maybe the numbers early on in the week have not been as influenced by the public pricing. But in college football, where the lines vary so very much, I don't think Mm -hmm. waiting till Saturday morning is quite the hindrance. It might be if you were to wait till Sunday morning for the National Football League. So I brought this up briefly, and I would love your thoughts on it based on when you look at that over under total. The 36 and a half total number for Wisconsin and Iowa. When you see 36 and a half for a college football game, what is your first thought?
4: Immediately I look to the over at some point. The number does get too low. This is college. There's turnovers and it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin leads the nation. I think they're bottom three in the nation for turnovers. Tell me that there's not going to be an interception touchdown somewhere, a fumble return touchdown somewhere. And you're going against Iowa who leads the nation in takeaways. Mm, Yeah. I like the over in that game. I don't love it. I'm not sure I'll get to the betting window with it, but at some point a number does get too low.
0: Iowa scored 51 points when they turned over Maryland seven times, so maybe that would lean to an over on Saturday in Madison, Wisconsin. Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook, breaking down week number nine of the college football slate. Pam, thank you so much for your time.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, and good luck with your bets this weekend.
0: And as always, hook them. I appreciate that very much. All right. Coming up next here on the morning after, we get Fasano's fun fact of the day. What will it be? Let's find out together after the break. SportsGrid.com.
1: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Closing out our second hour here together on the morning after on this Wednesday morning you're listening on Sirius XM channel 204 all across the sports grid network I'm your host Ben Stevens but I am merely just one part of this TMA family our fearless producer Alex Fasano some might even call him an executive producer is Alex Fasano has great fun facts that he likes to enlighten us with to make us smarter sports fans and sharper sports betters. So here is Alex Fasano's fun fact of the day on this Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Kyler Murray is the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals, the last remaining unbeaten team, a perfect 7-0 in the NFL this year. Kyler Murray also has a completion percentage of 73.5%. Kyler Murray is the fourth quarterback since the 1970 NFL merger to start and win each of his team's first seven games of a season and have a completion percentage of 70% or better over those first seven games. The other quarterbacks, the other three as a part of this group of four, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. Kyler Murray plays Aaron Rodgers tomorrow night in Glendale, Arizona. The Cardinals, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite at the moment, moment against Aaron Rodgers. Those four quarterbacks, which Kyler Murray is now in contention with, to start out by winning the first seven games of his team's year and have a completion percentage of 70% or better, the first three quarterbacks to do that, Peyton, Tom, Aaron, all won the 8P NFL MVP that season. Right now, you might be saying, huh, what are Kyler Murray's odds to win the MVP? They're plus 450, tied for the second shortest odds on the board on the FanDuel Sportsbook. He is tied with Dak Prescott at plus 450. Josh Allen right now is the favorite at plus 300. So Fasano's fun fact, not only fun, but also potentially profitable. Kyler Murray, plus 450 to win the NFL MVP. Hour number three is on the other side of the break. It is a very happy hour here on the grid. Great guest to take you up until noon Eastern time. Stay with us. Sirius XM, Channel 204, all across the Sports Grid Network. We'll be right back.
3: Just... Disp-